Hello, everybody. This is the Winning in Winnipeg podcast, where I talk to top performing business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, and local Winnipeg celebrities. I get to learn who they are and how they think, and I get to hear their perspective about what's really going on in Winnipeg and in their businesses. Today, I'm honored to be able to speak with Master Jay Park of the TRP Academy here in Winnipeg. Tehrong Park Academy is one of the country's leading Taekwondo and Hapkido academies. It has not only helped produce an Olympian daughter and coach, but has also trained thousands of students since opening its doors in 1993. I first met Master Park while my son was attending the academy, and I was instantly blown away by their level of service to their craft and students, but also to their business model and the incredible needs that they are fulfilling. There's a lot that I personally want to dive into, so follow us as we dive into what has made TRP Academy and Master Jay Park successful. Jay, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, very nice to see you again. Nice I, to see you. I, 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 I appreciate you coming on. Um, so, like I said in the intro, we first met at your academy. My son Emmett was registered and, and in it, and um, I was absolutely blown away so not only um by what you guys are doing there but there there was a lot of stuff going on at the time (laughs) so i'd I'd like to dive into quite a bit of it um but first let's try get some context about you and your journey and you know things that have shaped you um so you know you were born in korea yes right uh you came here at seven uh yes almost eight. eight yeah okay so tell me about that. What do you remember about it? I, it you know what? The, our immigration story is very interesting. Uh, when I look back on it, I was uh, almost eight when we left uh, Daegu, South, uh, South Korea okay. to come. Uh, the story is that uh, my parents tried, or my father, he uh, taught the U.S. military in Korea Taekwondo. So he had a lot of GI friends. And one of his best friends was uh, living in Seattle. Okay. And uh, living abroad, you, you don't realize how big Canada and the U.S. is, right? I mean, especially in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and so he wanted to move to the U.S. for 10 years, and he got denied, denied, denied. And one day they contacted him and said, okay, you're going to Canada. And, you know, I mean, Canada wasn't very popular across the world at that time. So yeah. showed him on a map and said, where's Canada? They said, right up here. And he looked down and said, okay, there's the U.S. And so, yeah, uh, we'll go. Straight and to Winnipeg? Or? Straight to Winnipeg. Uh he didn't have a job, okay. didn't know a single person here, uh, didn't have a house to stay in. Like there's, it was, nothing was arranged. Uh, and at that time, you can only leave with, I think, $6,000. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Uh, leave the country. And we had like two huge immigration bags, four young kids. I'm, I'm the youngest out of four and didn't know a lick of English except stay a little longer, which my aunt taught me. I don't know how she learned. <laughs> and ice cream. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it, it, it was... Uh, I mean, when I was, you know, when I'm seven, eight years old, all I need is my parents, yeah. right? And I had my three older sisters, so we uh, we came to Canada, and I mean, you know, I, I was with my family. That's all I needed. Yeah. But uh, looking back at it as an adult, I'm just like, my dad was ballsy. It's it's crazy. I, yes, like living in a in a in a country where we speak English, mm-hmm. and as I travel the world, you find how easy it is to travel the world, especially now. When you know English, yep. and it's almost like you expect everybody in the world, no matter where you to go, like how come you don't know English, <laughs> yeah. right? It's uh, it's a very uh, self centered attitude, yeah. right? But yeah. uh, I mean, I I I'm aware of that. But some people I travel with are just like, yeah, you're in France; they're not supposed to speak English. I mean, you know, that's right. Uh, but I remember when we landed in uh, in Winnipeg at the airport, uh, we went to immigration and. All I remember is this woman going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, that's that's what sticks in my mind. Yeah. Just because, again, that's how she was actually speaking with some people. And, you know, and, and it's unfamiliar, obviously, the language plus, you know, the, the, the mannerisms. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that seemed like, you know, forever just sitting in that, uh, in, in, in the room. And then they sent us to the restaurant and uh, all we knew was ice cream. So all we ordered was ice cream. <laughs> It was delicious, but we all we ordered was so, ice cream, yeah. and uh, so yeah, and and we met. Yeah, they called. It wasn't the, the middle of winter, was it? It was actually April. 
Okay. And it was cold. <laughs> yes. And I got a story about that as well too with my father. But uh, they called the president of the Korean Association and the Korean community was less less than a thousand people at that time. Okay. And that was a blessing. I mean, he took us into his home. Mm-hmm. He had two young children. Uh, the boy was uh, uh, a year younger than me. And yeah, they they took us in. We stayed there for about uh, a week or so, and then he said, "Hey, I got a house, and so you guys can stay there." And that was in uh, you know, and Maine, yeah. a little pink house with white picket fence. Yeah, my my parents worked hard, uh, working in a sewing factory, yeah. okay. uh, just like a lot of the immigrants at that time, trying to make ends meet. And yep. uh, here we are. I mean, it's it's a it's an incredible story. Not not my journey so much, yep. but the journey that my parents took and what they did when they arrived here, because they had a good life in Korea, but uh, they wanted to come to the United States, not Canada. Yeah. Uh, that was a blessing in disguise. Yes. Uh, and uh, they just were looking for a better life for their children. Right. And, uh, and I think they found it. Okay. So you came, so eight, eight, almost eight years old, you guys are brand new here. Um, how, how was school? How was that growing up? Actually, you know what? It was an easy transition. Okay. Uh, yeah, we learned English very quickly. I mean, I think within a year, I was almost fully fluent. Crazy. Uh, and it was because at that time, nobody kind of coddled you. It was, uh, I met a friend through Taekwondo. I started Taekwondo right away when I actually came here, uh, continued. Okay. I got my black belt in Korea. Okay. And uh, yeah, one of the black belts that uh, that took it at the same school that I attended, he was uh, two years older than me, his name okay. is Steven. And uh, yeah, he just... Treated me like a little brother, never let me get away with anything. Then, you know, and yeah, it's just, he, he, he helped me so much. It was, uh, it's incredible. I mean, we're fortunate to have met the people that we had. Yeah. Uh, even my father, I mean, uh, I think within a year, he was able to buy a brand new station wagon, you know, with the wood trims on the side. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I mean, and without any money, without any collateral, the bank manager trusted my parents to say, hey, you know what, I'll lend you money. And, yeah. uh, you know, meeting people like that has, has, Really, kind of obviously helped them to to get a a leg up mm-hmm. and to to work hard and you know it's a it's an immigration st- success story. So I read you'd mentioned black belt. That was very young. At six, you yes. got your black belt in, yes. in Taekwondo. Yes. How do you get a black belt at six years old? Uh, you know what? I think they just gave it to me. No, <laughs> <laughs> I found it. I, I don't really remember my training. I don't remember really? much about Korea at all. I mean, okay. little snippets here and there. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I have some pictures at home. So it, it, it does prove that I, I went up different belts. But yeah, yeah it, it was a different uh, mentality. I trained, you know, a couple hours a day, six days a week type thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah I just that's that was the culture back then. And so, it was it, I was young even from a Korean standard. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So take me through um, your your teen years, even after high school. Did you did you work throughout? Did you work at the at, at an academy? Did you work at jobs? Did you you know did right. you have any entrepreneurial uh, blood in you that was kind of pushing you to do something else? I, I think perhaps it's in my blood. I mean, uh, uh, you know, apparently we were pretty rich in Korea with with my late grandfather. Uh, well, my never met, but uh, you know we had a lot of property in in downtown Daegu, mm. which uh, which got kind of wasted away with you know with frivolous spending and everything else from my uncle and right. uh, so and again that's a blessing in disguise. I think it would be worth billions uh, at this particular moment if we kept it. I mean, yeah. property is huge, right? Crazy. Uh, yes, we own like horse stables and race tracks and movie theaters and everything else, and that's pretty much what my father left. For a better life in Canada, or you know, unbelievable. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's it's. I grew up in a in a rougher area in Elmwood, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I didn't know better. I mean, that's what we did. I, uh, you know, when you're immersed in that culture or in that environment, that's what you did. And look back at it, I had a great time. I mean, uh, you know, with my friends, and I met one of my best friends later on. Uh, actually, when the b- movie Bloodsport came out, I went with some of my Hapkido students mm-hmm. to watch. And there's a group of bikers actually sitting in front of us. And I guess one of my students hit the chair and they had a little bit of back and forth and it was escalating. And uh, these guys were big guys and so were my my students, but still. yeah. So they stood up, I stood up and we all stood up and then I'm just like, oh no, you know, I'm, I'm like <laughs> mid, late twenties. Uh, and yeah, all of a sudden it's turned around, just 
big burly looking guy with hair down, you know, towards his back and just like, you know, a guy you'd never want to meet <laughs> turns at me and he goes, and right now my name, you know, I used the name Jay, but my, my Korean name is Jae Hong. Okay. So they just anglicize it and say Jae Hong. And that's what he knew me as. So he turns around, he recognizes me, we look at each other, he's like, Jae Hong. I'm like, Curry. All of a sudden we start hugging each other. I haven't seen him in like 20 odd years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you should have seen the looks on these guys' faces. Oh, that uh, de-escalated things quickly, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. We sat down and watched the movie. But uh, yeah. so I, I grew up in that type of a neighborhood. When I was in uh, grade eight, we moved to uh, St. Fatal. Yeah. And it was like moving to the different side of the tracks. It was a different, uh, you know, uh, yeah, different way of living. You know, everybody looks so rich and everything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And, you know, my again, I thank my parents for, for you know, working hard to, to give us a a better opportunity. Yeah. And I lived in South St. Fatal all my life, pretty much, except when we moved to uh, Vancouver for two weeks. Yeah. Packed up everything, moved back, moved there. Parents said, don't like it. We moved back. Really? New Hall and everything. It was, uh, oh yeah. And then uh, I lived in uh, Calgary for a year. Interesting. So, yes. Okay. Um, any jobs outside of? Yes. Uh, my very first job was delivering papers that want to pick Tribune. And uh, after about two and a half months, uh, the Winnipeg Tribune basically folded. It shut down. Okay. So what I did was I kept all of the last editions of the Winnipeg Tribune because someone told me that that's going to be worth a lot of money. So maybe that's where my entrepreneurial uh, <laughs> blood kind of started boiling a little and bit. And that guy was so right. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where they are now. Right. Okay. I don't think they were worth what I thought they might have been. Yep. Uh, that's fair. So I did that. I uh, in when I was in Calgary when uh, when I was uh, eighteen, I actually uh, got a job at a uh, mass marketing firm. Phone calls. Yep. Uh, lasted two days, and I said, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't stand the rejection. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I applied on another place uh, where uh, inventory company. So basically, okay. uh, Mac store, 7-Elevens, uh, uh, Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. So we'd go in there and we'd take inventory. And at that time, computers weren't really uh, a thing. Yep. So we had these little hip computers where you type you know, the numbers in, skew nice. numbers. In. Yes. Yeah, I thought, thought it was pretty cool. And then uh, they made me a manager because they knew I was coming back to Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about a month, uh, for about a year. And then I said, no, I can't do this anymore either. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, got into vending machines. Yes. Uh, Fantastic. A friend of mine said, hey, you know what? Uh, we got this great idea, that, you know, pizza vending machine. I know, right? Interesting. Yeah, so it's a vending okay. machine. They had little pre-made pizzas, Chicago-style pizzas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, every location. We, we, we serviced three locations uh, and uh, had a microwave. And so they take it out and put it in the microwave. And yeah, yeah that didn't last long either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, said well, to I my haven't friend, seen any. Yeah, yeah, so I said to my friend, okay. I said, hey, you know what? Just, just you go with it. I'm yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, and then we converted one machine actually into an ice cream uh, machine. So we actually had it in Bonnevatel pool. Oh yeah. And yes, and kids kept unplugging it. So we'd lose a ton of money. <laughs> so, there's just ice cream all over the ground. Everywhere, everywhere. Oh, so uh, yeah, so that was my kind of foray into trying to, you know, get into a little bit of business like that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, aside from that, I, 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 you know what? I wasn't, oh, I worked at Safeway for, for several years. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't do too much. My father was always saying, you know what? We weren't well off, you know, like, but he was like, just go to school, do what you have to do when you're young yeah. and make the mistakes now yeah. and fail because I, you don't have kids, you're not married. Mm -hmm. You can always come back home. But I never left home until I got married. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that was a huge safety blanket for me, for my parents to say, hey, do what you need to do. Yeah. Work hard, but, you know, don't, don't worry about failing because we're here to pick you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Um, so a lot of people will will tell me that they have this like aha moment either when opening a business or getting the idea. Uh, but TRP was originally, from what I understand, supposed to be a temporary thing. Your 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 dad and you opened it. Tell me about that. And and when was the moment that it actually felt like it was going to be a success? All right. Uh, first of all. Hasn't come yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was supposed to be temporary. Uh, like a good Korean 
son. Uh, my mother wanted me to be a doctor. Okay, my father yeah. wanted me to be an engineer. And because I could argue well since I was young, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I watched uh, LA Law. So, you know, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And so basically I said, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I did debating at school and things like that. And then, uh, yeah, at, uh, went to university, got my degree in criminology, uh, went to uh, write, wrote my LSAT. Mm-hmm. My, and at that time, my friends were bugging me because Taekwondo wasn't my main sport growing up. That was something I just did as part of my life. Really? And okay. uh, Yes. But uh, I speed skated for almost 10 years of my life okay. competitively. Beautiful. Yes. So, uh, so my friends were like, hey, you know what? Teach me, teach me. Taekwondo yeah. and Hapkido. And I'm like, no. Well. So I used to dabble a little bit in the basement and things like that with my yeah. friends. And and uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I must have bugged my dad enough time. And uh, he said, okay, well, let's uh, sign a lease for a year. Okay. And let's do this. Thinking that it's going to fail because most <laughs> martial arts schools do, right? Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, he, he and, but he still kept his job. He still worked. I mean, and yeah, we never looked back. It was, uh, it's a, like, it's, it's, it's funny because when people look at us now, you know, my father was in the martial arts all his life, myself and my kids and, you know, my, my, my niece's nephew, sister, mm-hmm. uh, they think that, you know, maybe the school was something that was something we had for generations, but it isn't. Yeah. It's something that kind of fell into our lap. Right. That we never planned on having it as a career. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And, and you know, my mom was against it. She's like, no, you can't do this. You got to learn how to play piano really well. And you got to be a doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, no. And, uh, you know, after after about 10, 15 years, she's like, you made the right choice. <laughs> well, at least there is a, a time in your life when you actually got to hear that. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's you fantastic. know. Yeah, she was always supportive, but uh, but when it came to that, I mean, you know, it wasn't, uh, and it still isn't the your traditional, you know, Asian parents what they brag about, which is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being a doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever it may be, type thing. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I I I kind of fought that stereotype ever since I was young. I don't know why, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but I'm glad I did. Looking at my life now, I mean, I I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's dive into TRP. So what's the makeup of it? How many do you guys, how many employees do you have? How many students is there generally at one time? Yeah, uh, the, obviously the pandemic had, uh, had affected us. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, I think uh, we did a great job of actually pivoting straight to online uh, within a week of, of being shut down. I think that's the, uh, yes. And you weren't doing that before? We weren't doing it. We were always against it. People have said, hey, you know what? We're moving away. You guys should do like a video type, uh, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, no, that you, you can't do that. I mean, you know, we had talked earlier about podcasts as yeah. well, too. Yeah. I mean, face-to-face is always better than through, 100%. you know, through video or Zoom. Yeah. And especially with the martial arts, it's more so just because you're teaching techniques, working with children, the interaction is very important. Yeah. And, uh, but we had to. I mean, we had no choice. I didn't even know what Zoom was. At that time, yeah. you know, I'm pretty computer savvy, but still. Uh, so within a week, boom, we made up a schedule. We, we, uh, we, we provided our uh, not only our students but our their, their families a lot of options in terms of like, you know, energized sessions during the day. That you know, a couple times just to get people moving and and not sitting at home watching TV. And then yep. we rent classes and and relaxation classes right before the bed. So it kept us busy and it kept yep. us, I think, very sane as well. Amazing. And it kept us connected with our our our, our Taekwondo family. That's right. Yep. Uh, so that was very important. But uh, yeah, right now I think we are again feel very blessed that we are back to pre-pandemic numbers, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, and uh, yeah, and you know, obviously we thank all the all of our students who supported us during the whole time. There were many people who who really kind of really were there supporting us, saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I know you guys are going to go through a hard time." We're, yep. we're there for you, which, yeah. which, uh, which was great. And yeah, we're probably sitting at about 450 uh, yeah, students. Wow. And our after-school program, we have a waiting list now, which uh, we've never had before. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I think everybody's just ready to get back to normal. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. So I think I, I probably underplayed it by saying only uh, thousands that have gone through there. There's probably tens of thousands. Oh, there's tens of thousands. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's uh, that's unbelievable. Um, so, 
it you're you're back to the number are you still doing any online did you keep any of that stuff did you just completely transition out of it yeah we're we're just doing physical classes right now in person okay. classes but we we did keep our online for as long as we could mm-hmm. uh you know there's there's still some people uh, even earlier this year kind of you know still hesitant about yep. you know i mean again it's it's just take take some people a little bit longer yeah uh but uh yeah, but eventually we just had to cut the umbilical cord and say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we're back. We're we're back. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yes." Wow. And uh, and and I would say ninety nine percent of the people that stayed online mm-hmm. actually came back too. Amazing. Yes. So it was nice. Uh, I think when you gave them no options, they just said, "Hey, you know what? We just gotta we just gotta do it." That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest things that I've seen, it, it stuck out, and I knew about your school before I even knew that I knew about your school. Okay. So your bus. Oh, yes. Your, so I think it's, it's a logoed bus. It has, um, you know, it's hard to miss a bus. But also with it, you're picking kids up after school. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So you're not only reducing the friction between parents getting it there, but you're also filling that childcare need post school. That to me is phenomenal, right? Uh, convenience to the client or to the customer is just unbelievable. And so when I saw that, I was just thinking like, that is probably one of the smartest things any school could do. Right. I'm wondering where did it come from? How did you first implement it? And and really, how how has that grown? Well, I mean, that credit has to go to my wife. She's a uh, black belt instructor at the academy as well, too. And uh, when was it? Nineteen ninety eight. Uh, I got an invitation from a, uh, one of the masters out in uh, San Francisco, saying I'm running a seminar. You should come. Yeah. And uh, I I don't really like those seminars because you know the the Canadian and American mentality, especially back then was a little bit different. We're a little bit more similar now. In what uh, way? In, in, in the sense that, you know, uh, the U.S., especially through sports and martial arts, were like, let's go, come on, we got to win, you know, get the gold. Mm-hmm. Whereas Canadians were like a little bit nicer, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to do our best and hopefully get on the podium. Right, yeah. Uh, but along with that, when they do marketing and stuff, it was, I will say the word, it was a little bit hokier than what Canadian people will accept. Okay, yeah, right? that's fair. Yes, uh, even belt-wise, they have purple belts I do here too, but camouflage belts, pink belts. I mean, whatever sells is what they did. Yeah. Whereas Canadians are like, nah, we can't do that. Camel uh, belts is, <laughs> is fantastic. Well, yeah. I, Sticking you know. to the true uh, <laughs> heart of the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, my wife is like, I've never been to San Francisco. She loves to travel. So I, she says, let's go. Mm-hmm. So we went, we went to the seminar, three-day seminar. And in Florida, I mean, they don't have winter, so it's a lot easier to run an after-school program. And this gentleman had a lot of success. I mean, 100, 150 after-school program kids. Uh, so we brought it back, all the information from the seminar. And my wife said, we should do this. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. You got to invest in a, it's in a, a lot van. Of work. A lot of work. Yeah. And what if it doesn't work? Then what are we going to do with the vans? And she's <laughs> like, let's do this. Yeah. So my father, especially, when my wife says, hey, to me, Let's get this or let's do something. Yeah. He supports her one hundred percent. So he, you know, he's like, "Thanks, Dad." Yeah, yes, and, and yeah, actually, thank you. Yes, yeah. and uh, he's like, "Do you want to do it?" She's like, "Yes, I think it's a good idea." He's like, "Do it." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay," yeah. and yeah, and then he just took off. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of hard work to to set up, and the logistics is very difficult. I mean, you can't not pick up the kids. The parents mm-hmm. rely on us, yep. so that's very difficult sometimes. Insurance, uh, insurance yeah. plus like the you know. The, Minus thirty five. Yep. So we were known from the schools for always being there, regardless. If, even when the school buses don't run because it's cold, oh, we wow. are there. So we haven't missed a day. Uh, so I think that's part of our claim to fame with the schools. I think there uh, should be T-shirts. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so it yeah, so it took off. We were uh, offering a before school program now as well for yep. parents who have to uh, go to school work earlier oh yeah, yeah and uh yeah so it's 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 been awesome it's uh it's great is there a is there a, a a catchment area or do you only go so far yes when we first started obviously we we're trying to get a good customer base so we mm-hmm. weren't just doing the Pimina trail school with school division we were going down bishop grandin into louis riel school division and mm-hmm. you know and everything else uh but it just became a little bit too difficult 
as traffic got busier down Bishop Grandin and elsewhere. Yep. So right now we're doing a lot of the schools. I think there's 15 schools in the Pembina Trail School Division that we service. We have yep. uh, two buses and one van that, that, that operate. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So where do most of your, where do most of your students come from? Like, do you know how they hear about you? Is it word of mouth? Do you guys do, do you market? How do they contact you? When we had the yellow pages, we did spend a lot of money on the yellow pages. Okay. Uh, because that was the only means that, at that was what you of, did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but after the yellow pages disappeared, I, th- we got to a point where word of mouth was, was, was probably our main Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried some other community newspapers and, you know, other dabbled in other things, but I don't know, obviously we, we did get some students, but mm-hmm. right now we do no other advertising except obviously upkeep our website and stuff. Yep. Uh, but I think it's just, we've gotten to a point where word of mouth has been very important and uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's what we rely on. And That's how we found you guys. Okay. I Perfect. called up a buddy and said, Hey, you have kids right. that did this. Where do I go? And he was like, TRP. I was like, oh, did you like, did you look at any other schools? He's like, no, go there. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to thank him for us. I will. Um, he's actually been on the podcast as well. Oh. Um, have you ever thought of expanding outside of Winnipeg? Has that ever been a... Th- uh- we did. Uh, one of our families, basically, the father was uh, an engineer and he, uh, he decided, I don't want to do this anymore. And the whole family were kind of black belts. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to expand out to Calgary. And so we all drove out there and 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 uh, scoped it out, and yeah, we we found a location. We're about to sign it, and then they just kind of got cold feet. You know, it's not something that they they that they did or thought about. Yep. And so we just kind of backed out of that. But yeah, we were always very careful. Like they were a great family, and and we had trust that they would carry your name properly. Yep. So that's why you know we decided to do it. But no, uh, a lot of people. That's that's a that's a common question that I get because our school is fairly large. Yeah. That, oh, you know, do you guys franchise or do you guys have multiple locations? We had one other location mm-hmm. that serviced the Transcona, East Kildonan area. And uh, the pandemic kind of hit us a little bit harder there with, right. uh, with high rent and everything else. So we we kind of closed down that school yeah. just uh, at the end of 2021. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we, no, we, the, the name Terong Park is named after my grandfather my late grandfather. And uh, so when we decided to open up the school, you know, it made sense that it would be called my father's name, Tequa Park Academy or whatever. And my dad's like, no, no. And and this is the type of man he is. He's like, no, put it under your name. I'm like, dad, I can't put it under my name. He's just, you know, like, and he's just, no, no, you got to put it under your name. He goes, I'm only going to be here for a short period. This is what you're carrying on. I'm like, well, no. And then we found out that, or... In, in Korean culture, you don't know your aunt and uncle's names and you don't know your grandparents' names so much. It was just grandpa, grandma, and aunt and uncle. Right, yeah. right? It's not like here where you go Uncle Tom or Uncle Auntie yeah. Jane or somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, so I said to him, I said, what's grandpa's name? And he says, Terryong Park. I go, what does that mean? Te means like grand, big, and Ryong is, uh, is dragon. So it's big dragon. So I'm like, perfect that can't get any better i know that sounds amazing (laughs) because bruce lee his name is soryang which is small dragon so i'm just like bruce lee small dragon and grandpa's big dragon we're gonna name it big dragon yeah yeah. so it was uh yeah everything kind of fell into place even the name and but we were a little bit hesitant like people can't say terong park like we should call it something else that that catches people yeah and uh and then we we decided, nah, I, you know, let's stick with Doesn't this. Matter. Yeah. And I think that's one of the best things we did. Yeah. Yeah. You guys also offer uh, summer summer camps, winter camps. Winter camps? Is that yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Goes along with my first comment about you're, you're hammering two very, very sought after problems for parents. Right. Right. Child care. And what do we do with kids when they're not? When they're not in school right and so um how long has summer camps been a thing for you guys oh geez summer camps have been going since before or after school program so i mean uh almost uh i don't know 20 25 years i would say yeah somewhere around there and uh yeah we we have we have lots of fun with the with the kids i mean uh 
yeah, I mean, you know, especially when I used to run it, I'm, I'm, I'm not there as much just because we travel so much for competitions. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just the instructors have just as much of like, sometimes more. I'm like, settle down, you do your job. Yeah. Stop so, having so much fun. Yeah. And, and I, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but the, the summer camps, winter camps, in-service days, everything like that. Uh, you know, once you provide a service for parents, especially with the after school, yeah. uh, it's our philosophy that you can't just hang them out to dry and say, well, find your own when there's no school. We wanted to try to provide an all kind of an all inclusive type of a, a service for those parents who rely on us for the after school program Yep, that uh, they won't have to go elsewhere. Everything's provided through the academy. Right. What I really like about martial arts, and I've, I've done some martial arts as a large white guy, <laughs> um, but there, what I really like is, you know, the, the discipline, the respect, the, the mind work that, that's done in it, uh, but also values. So values are really big in my life. Um, my life changed when I really focused on what I value and, and running my company that way. So how have you found that's played into your employees? Do you hire outside of any students that come through? How do you, how do you hire uh, instructors and anyone that comes to work in, in your school? It's 100% in-house. Uh, yes, we, we hire within our own student body mm-hmm. uh, from students who started from the very beginning as a white belt, uh, grown through our program, achieved their black belt, done leadership programs through our uh, you know, teaching. And, and, uh, and also from there, obviously, if they're interested in being an instructor of the academy as an employee, mm-hmm. then what we do is we go through, uh, uh, obviously, an instructor's program, mentorship program. Uh, and then, yeah, so it, uh, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that cause, uh, I, uh, was talking with one of the parents that came in for information, they were asking the same question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had the same answers for them as well too, is that, uh, and it also provides, uh, an opportunity and a goal for some of these younger kids to say, Hey, I want to be that instructor one day. I want to be an instructor. Well, you can, yep. uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out really well. And that philosophy that you talked about. Is carried on since there are white belts. So this way, what happens is, no matter what type of a business it is, whether it's martial arts or home building or or or, or selling tires, yeah. I think the the culture within your company is very very important, mm-hmm. and the culture has to go from you know top down. Yeah. So uh, if there is one person who is, you know, playing a you know mindset is different, playing a slightly different game, yeah. then you know things can fall apart. So. I think that's one of the secrets of our success as well, too, is, is that all the instructors have that same philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things, too, is, is that although they are, I, I become an employer and they become an employee, mm-hmm. that never exists. Uh, that only exists on paper. Mm-hmm. It's always the, the, the teacher to student. So right. no matter whether I'm teaching them Taekwondo or Hapkido mm-hmm. or whether I'm saying, hey, you know what? Let's let's go and sweep the uh, the floor, or, or you know, let's uh, let's do whatever you know, teach kids or whatever else it is. Yep. It's always that 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 level of respect both ways. Yeah, yeah, that go together. So that would eliminate a lot of HR issues. Absolutely, I, I, I imagine, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we do jokingly have an HR uh, department, but he's the problem all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally fair. Um, what is and this could be a dumb question. How do you go from master to grandmaster? Well, technically, it's by level, okay. right? So, uh, so if you're a seventh dan, you are considered a grandmaster, and uh, master starts at a fourth dan, mm-hmm. right? Fourth level black belt. Uh, so I reached I I reached seventh dan many years ago, but I don't call myself a grandmaster because my father, mm. right? My father is a grandmaster, not me. Mm. Uh, so for 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 me, it's always been not about the number on your certificate. It's about if people like my father and people like my father's colleagues don't consider me a master, then I'm not a master. I mean, I don't care what number I have on a certificate. Right. So there have been times when obviously I had the privilege of 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 being a fly in the wall with them because of my father. So mm-hmm. when we used to travel, you know, places, uh, my father would take me along and make sure that you know I learned and I, I listened to some of the stories, which are amazing. It's uh, it's incredible, uh, and uh, 
but sometimes they would refer to somebody who's a sixth or seventh band black belt, Mister, and it's on purpose. Oh, yes. that's like, and a, then that's a that's a right, bit of right. a shot. We're, yeah, they're saying, you know what, earn your place. I don't care, you know, yeah, how much you paid or what you did or who you paid off. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, you know, you gotta have. Yeah, we got you got to earn our respect, right? And I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, certain times, even if you're not considered technically a master, mm -hmm. they would call you a master, and that's a sign of great respect that you take and go, you know, thank you. So, uh, yeah. So I think when yeah. uh, for for me, yeah, I, I, you know, titles aren't important. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, I I think uh, ultimately, you know, like I we teach to the students all the time, the belt doesn't represent you. You represent the belt. Right. Simple. Yeah. Now you're very, um, <clears throat> you're, you're very good at speaking. You, uh, are clearly good at teaching and communicating stuff. Um, what part, so every business in the world is, is three things. It's finding leads, closing leads and, and fulfilling. So sale or marketing sales and fulfillment. Right. Where are you strongest and, and where have you had to bring in somebody else if you if you've ever felt that you know you were weak somewhere i think the marketing is the weakest simply because i'm cheap <laughs> <laughs> from, winnipeg. from winnipeg yeah, yeah. korean no uh well i'm ukrainian so we've <laughs> got that deep down brothers yeah <laughs> no uh i i would say uh the sale right i mean uh and 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 I'm and I'm a little bit hesitant to say the sale, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, I can close. Yep. And and the reason is because I think I say it like it is. I mean, obviously you have to be diplomatic, you gotta be professional when you're you know, you know, when you're speaking to anybody. Yep. Uh, but I don't try to beat around the bush. I don't uh, you know, I don't I don't uh, I'm not trying to sell you. No, I don't I'm not trying to sell you. I'm yep. not telling you what the program can offer you or your child or anybody else in your family. Yep. And this is what it is and this is what we do. So come and watch and if you're happy with it, great. Yep. If you're not happy with it, then obviously we need to learn and do better. So I think that's always been our philosophy. Yep. And uh so I mean, you know, it's 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 I can't say I came about it naturally because I haven't. It, it was my father. I, and again, when you're right there listening to him and he's, you know, knocking you in the head going, no, 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 no. You don't want to hear it. But, you know, it's just, I, I, I think everybody goes through that point as you get older. You're like, oh, my father was right or my mother was right or so-and-so was right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so we've had a lot of those moments where we would sit down and, you know, I would literally be arguing with my father and I can't believe my father allowed me to argue with him uh, as an adult. But still, uh, I think it was his way of teaching me as opposed to just saying, do it. Right. Because it's, it, was, it's, it would have been easy and I would have done it yeah. uh, begrudgingly, I think. But for him to actually allow me to kind of argue a little bit when it comes to business, not about life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and to kind of, I think, learn with me, but also teach me. Yeah, uh, yeah I look back and I'm just like, oh, that's what he was trying to do. Right. So. Well, there's nothing, there, there's no better learning opportunity than the pain of learning a hard lesson, right? A absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you either learn from it or, 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 or. Don't learn and keep making the same mistake. <laughs> absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. You get destroyed. That's right. Um, can you think of anything that goes against the norm in, you know, in, in, we'll say in martial arts academy, maybe it's in martial art, but. Is there something that uh, you believe that kind of goes against the status quo or, or the martial arts establishment that has either helped you be successful or that has, you think may have hurt you in the long run? Uh, we, you know what? We always had a solid business model okay. because when, we, when the academy started becoming a little bit more successful and my father realized, hey, I think this is going to be a long for the long haul mm -hmm. he asked me a question which was important he said uh if you were going to sell a car what, what kind of would you car would you sell i'm like of course ferraris and lamborghinis and stuff he goes no no seriously there's a lot of car dealerships sub out there what car would you sell i thought about it and i'm just like and at that time i i, I said like bmws you know stuff like that and he's like okay so what do you have to do to sell bmws right so and he goes, because not everybody wants a BMW. 
some people want like you know just chevettes yeah. you know chevrolets oldsmobiles and i'm like okay but i don't want to sell those cars he says then you need to find out right what you need to do to sell bmws so that's when i kind of thought okay now in the martial arts as well too generally the martial arts doesn't matter what it was it was generally known as you know a junker car really you know hmm. the, the image was it's a it's a small hole in the wall in the basement of a building somewhere or a community center and, yep. and that's the image that a lot of people had back then okay now it's different <clears throat> uh and that was a hard sell right because when we uh you know again i fought against my father but i'm i'm glad that he was uh stronger than me <laughs> uh in every way yeah. he still is but uh when uh when when we purchased our building in 95 skirfield my dad said okay hey i found this property here go call them and set up a meeting i'm like well we can't buy a building he's like why not i said cuz i was scared i'm like well no it's a building it's like a it's, building. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's building it's a building like not it's a hole in the wall yeah he's like Go buy it. I'm like, okay. So, oh, so I, I, I called a gentleman and uh, he's like, oh, uh, what are you going to do with it? I said, oh, a martial arts school. Right away, he shut me down. He's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, th this amount. I'm like, yes. He goes, have you thought about, you know, this location, that, that and something else? I'm, no, I would like this location. Finally, I got him to come down and we were at Clarence uh, in an industrial park. Okay. Uh, and he came down, and at that time, I, and again, our clients are from like White Ridge, Linden Woods, and stuff like that. So people are driving up in, you know, Mercedes, BMWs, or any kind of minivans, everything. Mm -hmm. So he comes in to watch, and I thought, he, again, he probably thought he was a little hole in the wall. And it wasn't very big. It was like 3,500 square feet, but still, it was, it was nicely kept and, and good. Yeah. He came in. He looked at the, well, he told me afterwards, but he came in. He looked at the students. There's about 30 students in that training at that time parents are down and then he goes all right <laughs> what are you looking at <laughs> beautiful yes and then i yeah and then later on he said you know what i gotta tell you the truth and that's what he told me he goes you know what i've had bad experiences and when you called me and said that yeah. he goes i pull up i saw the type of cars you know the type of clientele you had he said you know what that yeah I, I you know the image was different yeah so yeah i and, and we stayed still friends but uh still stay uh it was that's when I kind of learned that, hey, you know what? What my father was telling me about what car are you selling? Mm -hmm. What dealership do you want to be? Yeah. was very important in right. terms of how the image that you present. Right. So, how, how do you want your brand to feel? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> what do you think? So clearly, whenever I ask pros and cons of Winnipeg, a minus 40 winter <laughs> and six feet of snow, never the you know, anyone's ideal winter. Right. Um, but when we think of Winnipeg, you know, you've been operating the school, you know, almost 30 years now. Um, what do you think the pros of operating and being based in Winnipeg have been? As a business, from a business perspective? Yeah. I, I don't know if there's any pros specifically with Winnipeg, simply because I think if we want to, bigger market toronto or, or vancouver mm -hmm. or somewhere in the states uh i knew i should have asked cons ah. <laughs> we would have many many more students right uh yeah. yes uh i think that philosophy would carry anywhere mm -hmm. uh and like you said that branding yeah. uh that 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 means that we try to portray mm -hmm. uh but at, on a personal level i love winnipeg I mean, my daughter loves Winnipeg too, Skylar. I mean, uh, you know, we travel all over the world, but my wife is like, let's move somewhere warm. Mm -hmm. And as Mine I too. get older and older, yeah. I'm kind of leaning more towards <laughs> yeah. that. But uh, what does your dad say? My dad loves Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. see, yeah, he's. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny because obviously, he, you know, he uh, grew up in Korea and everything else. But I think within like five, six years of being here, he said, he goes, "I'm Canadian." He was sold. Yeah, well, yeah. he's Canadian. He's, yeah. and I think, and that's his philosophy as well too. Is is that, of course, he loves Korea, and that's that's his, you know, homeland. Yeah. Uh, but since he moved to Canada, he's he's very loyal, right? Uh, he's not only loyal to Korea, but he's also loyal to him. As soon as he became Canadian, he's like, I'm Canadian. Mm. Yeah. So if 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 you said let's move back to Korea, he'd say no. Canada's my home. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I feel the same way with Winnipeg mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, as much as we've gone everywhere else, just it's so comfortable here. It's smaller. I mean, you don't have all these, you know, the nightlife maybe perhaps or the restaurants or anything else. But just every time we come back home from going anywhere else and, and come back to Winnipeg, yeah, it just, just feels, yeah, just e- easy. Just yeah, easy nice, and nice and just yeah. comfortable. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I guess that's what home is. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think about, or or did you ever make a point in thinking about work-life balance, about how much you're at the academy or how much mental energy you're doing it to, you know, the actual time that you're, you know, spending with your family? Were they at the club and, you know, that's your family time? Um, how did you, how did you go about it? You know what, that, that, that again is a blessing. Uh, again, my wife, uh, basically, I, I met wife, my wife through the academy. She was a student. Uh, no one, nobody heard that. <laughs> and, uh, she signed a waiver. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't think she liked me at the very beginning. That's fair. Yes. And uh, so I convinced her. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, use my you charm. You wore her down over time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I like to call it charm, but I think uh, <laughs> That's fair. I, I told her I'm like mold. And she's like, what do you mean? I go, I'll, I'll grow on you. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> honest to goodness truth, I don't know why I said it, but yeah. just, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, and it became what both of us did when our children was born. We had an opportunity actually right before Skylar was born in 1999, our, our first uh, to actually move to the States and, and head up a, a professional Taekwondo uh, league mm-hmm. that they wanted to start. And uh, so my wife and I discussed it. And then when she got pregnant, we're just like, no. Uh, let's stay in Winnipeg. We love Winnipeg, and this mm-hmm. is a great place to raise a family. Yeah. Uh, but ever since the kids were young, we they were at the academy all the time. My wife was at the academy. We had a little room in the back, so basically, you know, that's that's where they play, that's where they slept, that's where they ate. I mean, uh, even even going to school, we lived in Royal Wood, uh, but the k- kids went to Van Wellingham School in uh, mm-hmm. Linden uh, Meadows, mm-hmm. oh, Lindenwood, sorry. Yeah. Uh, just because again. It's right there. It's right there at work, right? Right. So uh, we drive them to school in the morning. We go to work. We stay there the whole day, work, uh, pick them up as part of our after-school program. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we'd all go home at night, uh, at 8 o'clock at night. So you really kind of shaped your entire, everything that was important, you know, kind of right there. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we spent more time there than we did at home. Right. And it's kind of funny because the pandemic... Did more damage to my house <laughs> in two years, and my my kids are good. Like they don't yeah. destroy. Like they're adults now, but still, yeah. even when they're younger, yeah. because we spent so much time. There's more wear and tear in the two years than the ten years before. That's funny. And I'm just I can't take it. <laughs> I'm just looking at that. I was going, why? I could have <laughs> sold it new. I know, right? <laughs> are you a are you a routine guy? No, no, no. My wife is, but not me. Yeah, no. I'm just like go with the flow guy. I think. So what's it, what is it, what does your day look like? It depends whether I'm tired or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, because my wife is, uh, you know, we, if, if I don't do what she does it, if she doesn't do what I do it, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. It, it's a good business partner. Great business partner. Yeah. Great life partner. Yeah. I mean, uh, so uh, usually end up uh, right now, wake up in the morning, uh, basically at eight o'clock, the kids are downstairs. We start our training. Uh and depending on the day, it's either it's uh, conditioning or weights or so it's about an hour and a half of training. Mm, and nice. then, uh, yeah, after that, uh, go to work, mm-hmm. uh, be at the academy. And then they get there at about 1.30, 1.40, do about an hour and a half of training again. And then after that, I rush off to do the uh, after school program pickup. Yep. And then the day starts with uh, teach or ends with teaching and ends at uh, about 8.30. Yeah. Yes. When did you, was it in? Was it an active decision um, to, or, or was it something that just came? When did, you, when did you guys start looking at the Olympics as, okay, this is the thing that we're, we're going to start pushing for? Well, it's kind of funny because my father, when he was younger, he wanted to go to the Olympics uh, as a cyclist. Okay. And my grandfather said no. Yeah. And so crushed his dreams. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, my, my father was very athletic, not only in the martial arts, but he bodybuilt as well, too. He's, you know, he's, he's uh, I think, second place in Mr. Degu and stuff like that. Oh, wow. and he cycled, he, he 
yeah, he's uh, he's. It's amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, it makes me sick because I can't keep up still. <laughs> but uh, uh, and then for me, my goal was to go to the Olympics in speed skating. Uh, and uh, I was good at short track, not long track, but uh, but at that time, short track wasn't in the in the Olympics. What's that? Four four hundred meters? I know short track is inside the hockey rink. Oh, okay. Right. Whereas the okay. long track is the four hundred meter track. Okay. Like, like a regular track, right? Okay. Uh, so I was a little bit more agile, but uh, my limit was 400 meters, and the shortest race in long track was 500 meters. Oh. So that didn't work out well for me because, right. uh, yeah, you hit the proverbial wall at 400, and then I was good until then. Yeah, I mean, you know, but uh, but the last hundred meters, everybody will just fast twitch fibers. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yes. So so I gave up speed skating. I thought, okay, well, okay, then focus on school, yep. and uh, yeah, but just. Yeah, didn't, uh, and then uh, just with the Olympics, I don't know. And then I guess my daughter, because she heard this story, she said, hey, you know what? I want to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal one day. So she was a step a- a- above my father and myself because hers wasn't just, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal. Right. And so, you know, when she's young, it's cute. Oh, yeah, hey. And yeah. we weren't very competitive then at our academy. Yeah. Like we had some really good competitive kids, but a national level. Uh, you know, we did well, but not mm-hmm. at an international level. Right. And then, yeah, it was never my plan to actually be doing what we're doing now, just like our school yep. in a competitive way. But yeah, kids are succeeding, so and they want to do it. So my job is, and my wife's job is to help them to uh, achieve their dreams and goals. Yeah. Yes. Um, what were what were your biggest influences in your life? Mentors, um, places books uh well obviously my father i mean that's that goes without saying yeah i mean uh, to this day my father uh mentors aside from my father i mean i would have to say uh like the friend i i mentioned earlier steven when when i first came to canada yeah yeah i i yeah just just the way he actually treated me sometimes it was i didn't like it but when I look back at it, I'm just like I'm very thankful for, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then after, I would say speed skating, uh, just mm-hmm. the sport itself, uh, because most of my friends either played, well, most of them played hockey, mm-hmm. and there's two of us. Actually, I speed skated, and another one of my friends, Yoan, basically uh, did judo uh, as a sport. He went to the Olympics, and uh, we were different. Uh, we're obviously tougher than the hockey guys, right? Fair enough. Yeah, of course. No, but uh, but you know we didn't drink. Uh, you know we go to the bush parties with you know six packs of iced tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a different mentality because the way we trained was different, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I used to say to my hockey friends all the time. I mean, if you even trained a quarter of what <laughs> yeah. what we what we did, you'd be amazing. You'd be amazing. Yeah. But they didn't. Right. It was a different culture. Yeah. Uh, so I think speed skating and 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 the the work ethic and the culture that I learned through speed skating mm-hmm. and knowing that although I wasn't at that level yet, uh, I stopped before that, but knowing that, Hey, you know what? You got to work this hard to achieve, you know, yep. even below greatness, yep. uh, which I don't think a lot of my friends that played hockey realized. Right. So I think that has helped me to become who I am and to become a, the coach that I am. Mm-hmm. And to help my students, not only my children, but other students to succeed. Right. So I look back at that and I think, uh, yeah, this, the, the, my experience in speed skating was, was huge. What do, you, uh, what do you wish people knew about your school that you don't think they do? I think within the last two, three, four years, uh, you know, we, we, we've been out in the public quite a bit, especially with, uh, with my daughter's success and now mm-hmm. my, my sons as well, too, that. I don't know if there's anything that they don't know. I mean, we're 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 pretty open. Uh, you know, everybody knows that we're a family business. Everybody knows that, you know, my father's my father can kick my butt still. <laughs> uh, you know, it's yeah. I, I I don't think there's any any anything that people that I can mention that they wouldn't know. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know the phrase. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Uh, what is something that you know you knew you were coming on. Um, what's something that I should have asked you that, that I haven't? Oh, geez. 
Well, I like it. Then I did a good job. I know. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things, uh, like I said before, is, is mindset in, in martial arts. Um, what would you say to, let's say to the general 18 year olds that are coming out of high school, what is your, um, you know, number one piece of advice that you would? I think my number one piece of advice to anybody is you use common sense. I think right now society doesn't use common sense so well. And, uh, and right now there's so many different views. Uh, and I, growing up, and, and this has really made me think during the last couple of years, it's really made me think and discuss with a lot of my friends from all across the world because you know, we use the technology of Zoom to, to, to meet and keep ourselves sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, know, you can read a book, but whose perspective are you reading to say, hey, this is the truth, That's right. right? And you can listen to the news, the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much things, so many things out there. Mm-hmm. But if you just use common sense, I think at least 50% of the things that you don't know, you will know simply because it makes sense, right? Uh, so I think if, if anything, if, if any advice I can give anybody is, Hey, you know what, trust your instincts, trust your common sense and, uh, and listen to the people that have gone through things. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, you don't know what you don't know. Well, if I've never done it, what, how do I know? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so even through the martial arts as well, too, is that, uh, you know, that I, I growing up where I did and growing up, how I grew up, I, you know, I, I got into a lot of scuffles, uh, some of my fault, you know, unfortunately, and I apologize to anybody out there, yeah. uh, but, but it was just the way we grew up and, uh, and I'm glad we grew up like that. So my two boys, like sometimes when they listen to stories of myself and you know, my friends talk, they're just like, wow, <laughs> like almost like the way I did with my father and his colleagues. Yeah. But I kind of got to experience some of that. Yeah. Whereas now I think it, it's, it's, it's almost like we're putting people, wrapping everybody up in a bubble. You know, at, at school, the kids can't play Red Rover anymore. You know, you can't throw snowballs. Uh, uh, you can't play King of the Hill on a snowbank. I mean, you can't even be on a snowbank anymore without somebody yelling at you. Climbing a tree. Hey, you're going to hurt that tree. I mean, you know, they're not worried about the kids. Or whatever it may be, I'm just like, like, I don't know. Like, our philosophy, I think, at the academy, maybe, maybe this is it. When you said, where is, is there something that we should know that we don't know? is we don't coddle the kids at the, at the academy. I mean, uh, we, we want the kids to get into trouble. We want them to fool around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it freaks me out when there's kids that never fool around. We had this one student, and I love him to death, Justin. I mean, uh, his family is great, and he never got into trouble. Mm-hmm. Never, ever once. Just the perfect, and I think he's like, yeah, probably to this day, he probably didn't. I had to give him push-ups just on purpose to make up something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, You're standing uh, too still. Absolutely. You're too good. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think maybe that's it, is that uh, we, we, we want kids to be kids. Uh, we want them to learn. Mm-hmm. And you, don't, you can't learn without failing. You can't learn by without making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, lately, there's a lot of things going around about virtue and, and things like that. And, and I 100% agree is that... Uh, you know, like you can't be virtuous and say you're peaceful if you've never experienced violence, right? Uh, you can't say you're honest if you haven't actually had the urge to steal or something. I don't know. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that's just my thing is, is it's, it's just natural, right. right? Something that comes natural to you is, is, is not something that is virtuous. And I learned that from my father. Uh, I did very well in high school uh, all throughout uh, up until university. And uh, so I, you know, mid nineties, I graduated with, uh, I thought I was the smartest kid around. I'm just like, oh yeah, hey. And uh, so I would come home with hundred percent tests and I'll show it to my father. My dad's like, ah, oh, that's not good. I'm like, what do you mean? That's not good. It's hundred percent. He goes, if you did better, they give you 110. I'm like, dad, hundred is the best. They can't give 110. It's like, ah, just kind of <laughs> shoo me away. That's it. Uh, there's the occasions where I came with lower marks, seventies, eighties. And he's like, good job. I'm just like, okay, maybe I should get 70s and 80s. And I didn't know the lesson then. And uh, so first year university, I got a personal letter from the dean. 
warning me that I'm going to get kicked out of university. Yes. 1.7 GPA, first year wow. university in Calgary. Wow. Yes. It was a huge blow to my ego. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to study. Right. I had no study habits. Right. So what my father was telling me before is, you know what? Maybe God gave you the gift to be intelligent. And I, and I listened in class. I worked hard, but I never really studied. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so he's like, the 100% you got, that wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me, hey, I'm not going to tell you great job when it wasn't you. I didn't see an effort. Yeah. But when I got to 70 or 80, he saw the effort. He saw this appointment. And he's like, okay, well, that's the best you could do. That's awesome. Right. Right. That's, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't realize it until after a first year of university. I was so humbled by it. I'm just like, how can I be failing? Right. Because every time I pick up a book, I'd fall asleep because I, I didn't know. I didn't have study habits. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and in university, they don't teach you. They just da, 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 read page 100 to 250. You're on your own. You're, you're on home. your own. Yep. Right. And that's what my father was trying to teach me all along. And mm-hmm. I never listened to him. Mm-hmm. So it took me a couple of years to, to, to really get back and, and, and to get my you know, grades back up and get into shape. And, yep. uh, and I think that's the same philosophy that I hold when, when we're teaching as well too at the academy is, is uh, your best is your best. Your best is good enough for us. And it's the same thing when my, uh, when my children compete as well, is that sometimes you, you, know, you might see them being scolded by me and you would think that they lost, they didn't. Like one time, Skyler, I think, beat the girl 42 to zero and we're walking away and one of the coach, uh, one of my, uh, I guess, friends and mentors comes up. He goes, uh, hey, coach, how'd you do? I'm like, ah, she won. He goes, so then what's the problem? And he walked away. He saw the match, but he's kind of teaching me, you know, mentoring me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she didn't do what she was supposed to do to win, yep. right? She didn't follow the game plan. So yep. that wasn't great. So it's not about winning and losing. It's about going there, doing your best, following the game plan, and, 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 and that's success. So at the academy, everybody can achieve a black belt, right? If that's your best. So it's not an absolute performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, in the past, I've had some arguments with parents like, how come uh, my son failed? But... The other kid uh, passed and, you know, my son did better. I'm like, but your son could have done better. They're like, but my son did better than the other child. So my question was, where do we set the standard? They're like, wow. But, you know, I go, how about we set the standard when I was actually getting a red belt? Well, that's not fair. I go, why not? Well, because you grew up in this. I said, well, okay, let's talk about fairness, right? If this child is putting in their honest effort and this is the best that they can do, mm-hmm. why should they fail? I said, do you truly believe that your son worked hard enough to actually say that this is what, they, what he deserved? They're like, well, I'm like, well, isn't that what we're trying to teach your son? Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, yeah, that's something that I learned from my father because, you know, when we first started, I used to fail everybody at the test. Like, I used to fail, 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 fail. And my dad's like... Luckily, my father made the decision. Yeah. It's like, why? I go, because it's not good enough. I go, he goes, who says? Well, it's going to be embarrassing for the academy. He goes, who's academy? I go, this academy. He's like, I'm not embarrassed. So, yeah, those, those were arguments we had quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he would pass, he would pass. I wouldn't be happy about it. But again, I mean, you know, that was a 23, 24, 25-year-old stubborn kid who thought that he knew about business and life. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah I learned and I think, you know, Thankfully, I hope, you know, hopefully I'm passing that type of a philosophy onto my students and, mm-hmm. uh, and learning. So, yeah, if, if anything, the academy, maybe, you know, people don't know. They might think, oh, hey, everybody has to be like this. No, I mean, everybody, I don't care if you got, uh, you know, four left feet and, uh, and, and no arms. doesn't matter. Uh, you come to the academy, you put in the effort, you can leave as a black belt one day. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's one of the philosophies that, that has made you guys so successful um, not just your students, but also from a, from a business standpoint, um, you're, you're pushing people to be their, the best version of themselves. And that's, uh, I think, uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that, uh, that has led to your success. Um, thanks so much for being here. I, I'm, I'm really honored to have you share your story. And I just think that, you know, your academy is such a staple now in, uh, in Winnipeg and uh, you know if you can get to a point where just word of mouth is selling uh selling your your own business for you it's uh, you're you're doing something right before we end off um 
Now it's not only for kids, right? You have adult classes and Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So how how would how would someone go about if they're interested in that? How would they go about that? Well, I mean, just contact us, right? I mean, TRP Academy, if you Google it or, you know, search it up, it's it's there. Yeah. Uh, funny thing about the adults is I get a lot of calls with adults actually wanting to take a class. Okay. But they're like, oh, you know what? I'm out of shape. I haven't done anything for 10 years, 20 years, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but I'm going to come see you when I get in shape. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just... And, okay, on the, it was nice seeing you. Yeah. It, it, it's a different mindset because, again, you know, kids just walk in and say, yeah, ta-da, here I am and I want to have fun and I want to be a ninja. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> adults come in and, yeah, it's, it's, they have a different perspective of why you do classes. Mm. And I always tell them, you know what, please don't, don't worry. You come here to get in shape. If you're in great shape, we'll get you into better shape. Yeah. But if you're out of shape, I don't care if you can't even walk up the steps, mm-hmm. come, practice, learn, train. And it's always about one step more, one step more, one step more. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, yeah. I, so if anybody's out there that says, hey, you know what, I'm out of shape and I want to learn martial arts, just come as you are. That's it. Uh, you don't have to be anything, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get you there. And we'll push you to be the best version of yourself. Absolutely. That's phenomenal. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to have you back in 40 years after, but <laughs> the, the, when, when it's 40 years old. So I, I expect to be talking in, in 10 years from now. Absolutely. No, you know what? I, it was a pleasure uh, being here and I had a lot of fun. So uh, yes, thank you very much. Great. Right.